0: Years ago, uh, Lori and I took a midsummer trip uh, through Glacier National Park, and we didn't stop there, we just kept going north. We went on up into uh, Alberta, Canada. I don't know if you've ever been up in that area or not. We went through Banff and past Lake Louise. We traveled along the uh, Ice Fields Parkway, if you've never heard of it. That's what it's called up there. It's jaw dropping scenery, just unbelievable. There are more than a hundred. Uh, ancient glaciers, waterfalls cascading from dramatic rock spires. There, there are turquoise lakes, glacial lakes set in sweeping valleys. It's like driving in a postcard. That was, that was my final summary of how to describe it. Like driving in a postcard because every direction you look, you wish you could take another photo. And uh, you're thankful for digital photography during these days because you're not just loading all these uh, other kinds of film. Just look at that. Is that every time of day, every direction? It's it's just beautiful. Since we'd never been up in that part of the country before, before uh, the the continent before, we uh, of course relied heavily on our maps, on our Garmin GPS. Shout out to those of you who work for Garmin. Uh, shameless plug. And then uh, we also came across an interesting, insightful for our phones. It's called the Gypsy Guide. Have you ever heard of the Gypsy Guide? It's kind of a capture, screen capture of the website. Gypsy Guide is uh, rather interesting. For one fee, a one-time fee of $4.99, the Gypsy Guide gave us professional tour guide commentary all along the 144-mile Icefields Parkway Scenic Drive. It, it doesn't require Wi-Fi, it doesn't require cellular data, so it was it was just perfect for where we were. because. There's not always Wi-Fi or cellular data where where you travel up there. But the app was amazing. All we had to do was uh, basically turn it on, start it, drive, listen, soak in the scenery, the commentary. It was wonderful. It was enlightening. It was relaxing. It was how most of us think life should be all the time. (laughs) Right? You know, many times I've wished that navigating the circumstances of day-to-day life were as simple as traveling with that app and all of that was. I, you know, I just find myself thinking, you know, I, I wish there was an app for my phone that would allow me to hear from God directly. Have you ever, ever wondered about that, thought about that? Wish I could hear from him about things like marriage or parenting or finances or leadership or problem solving or I, I just wish that I could hear from him very directly because I think to myself, surely if I heard God's guidance directly, it would lead me down a smoother, easier path, right? This is how we think. So we just say to God, send me a burning bush. Send me an angel or two, you know, a pillar of fire at night. Please guide me, guide me. A cloud by day, guide me, Lord. This is what we're looking for I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever thought that kind of thing. Most of us long to better understand the mystery of God's guidance and leadership in our lives. We want to hear from him directly. And this morning what I want to tell you is that it is possible to better understand God's guidance in our lives. We're more capable of understanding it than we think we are. But we've got to carefully reflect on the scriptures and observe how he's led his people in earlier times. But here's the caution that I have for us as we dive into uh, today's message and next week's, because it's sort of a similar series, what we're doing here. Here's my caution. When God guides us, he doesn't always lead us down smoother, easier paths. In fact, scripture teaches that his ways are not our ways. We sang it just a few moments ago right out of Isaiah 55. So the relevant question for all of us when we think in terms of God's guidance for our lives is, what are God's ways? I mean, what are his preferences when it comes to guiding my life, our lives? Get your Bible this morning, open it to Exodus chapter 13, Exodus chapter 13, if you don't have your own. Uh, Grab one in the shelf in front of you. Obviously, uh, if you have your uh, phone, you can download the Bible onto your phone as an app. And so uh, if you want to do that, that's okay. Uh, Texting, not okay. Not okay during the sermon. I will lovingly call you out. No, I won't. Jesus will. So don't don't text. But but if you want to open up uh, uh, the Bible in your uh, your phone, that's cool too. Exodus chapter 13. We're going to learn from Moses and the people of Israel as they were leaving Egypt in ancient times, um, just about this matter of guidance. And the setting was this for the passage we're going to look at in just a few moments. People of uh, the Hebrew people had just seen God devastate Egypt with ten plagues. I mean, they just witnessed it with their own eyes. They were going free because of those 10 plagues. They'd watch the Nile River turn to blood. They'd watch frogs overwhelm the land. I mean, there were frogs, the Bible tells us, everywhere. They were in their beds. Think about that. Frogs in their ovens. Think about that. It was creepy. It was overwhelming people of Israel watched insects overrun the land. Egypt's animals die, but theirs live. They watched festering boils spread over all the people of Egypt, and yet they, the Hebrews, no issues. They were healthy, strong as ever. They watched basketball size hail kill other livestock, whatever livestock didn't die the first time. It was unbelievable. And that's just some of the, some of the plagues. Until finally, Pharaoh, after... Like a boxer having been pummeled and finally collapsing on the mat, Pharaoh finally lets God's people go. It's at that point that we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to start at verse 17, and we're going to read 17 and 18, only two verses today. Watch closely as we read these verses, though. The Bible says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. These are two verses that honestly we read them, we we think of them as context for other things that happen before and after. It's kind of a transitional contextual kind of thought is what we think. But what I want you to see carefully is that there's a lot more of relevance here. I want us to read it one more time. It's just two verses, very brief. Kind of stay with me. Pay really close attention to what it says, okay? One more time. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle They might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Now maybe you noticed it, but in this very brief passage of Scripture, God tells us a lot about his guidance in your life and my life. I contend That a good portion of his guidance is a mystery to us for this reason. We and God have different preferences for how our lives ought to be led and lived. At our core, uh, heart of hearts, we want one kind of guidance from God. And God is simultaneously providing another kind of guidance. And because we have different preferences in what that's going to look like, we're left thinking, what's God up to? What's he doing? He's crazy. I'm smart. I know how to do this better. We think to ourselves. That would only be true if we had the same preferences. What we're going to learn this morning as we look at this text is that there are different preferences that God has versus what we have when it comes to this whole matter of guidance. And when God guides, here's the he guides us according to his preferences because he's God and we're not. So this morning we're going to just look at what his preferences and our preferences tend to be as they show up in this passage. And I think, I hope you'll listen close. Let me just encourage you. You might want to write a few of these things down. Because I believe this can really help some of us understand God better. Next few minutes I'm going to draw your attention to three different preferences that we and God have that cloud our understanding of his guidance. He's affected Moses and Israel, they affect us. The first difference in preference between us and God is this. When it comes to his guidance, we prefer shortcuts. God prefers something else. Let me illustrate think with me, and I want you to be honest. I don't want you to be hyper-spiritual here. Just be honest, okay? Would you rather become a millionaire by saving $300 a month for the next 40 years and hoping that you get 80% return on that a year and 40 years from now, you'd be a millionaire. Would you rather be a millionaire that way or would you rather become a millionaire by lottery ticket, raffle ticket, you buy one, win? Which would you, come on. Even the hyper-spiritual among you. Yeah, if you get really honest, you want the lottery ticket. It's what you want. It's what we want. If you're sick, would you rather that God heal you now, or would you prefer to recover by taking medication and getting physical therapy for the next six months? Oh, God, heal me now. This, This is us, right? This is what we prefer shortcuts. I could give you a thousand illustrations like that. Our affection for shortcuts are why microwaves exist. <laughs> it's why cell phones and mobile phones, before why all of those exist, because we can't wait to get home and make the call. We've got to call now. It's why texting exists, because we can't wait to actually dial the number. We have to... to actually, <laughs> and... Look at the language of verse 17 of Exodus 13. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that ran through Philistine territory. Notice what it says. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. It was the shortcut. It was the most direct path. What's God do instead? Even though all of Israel knows that's a shortcut and longs to go that way. What's he do? Verse 18. God led them. In a roundabout way through the wilderness, wandering around in the wilderness, roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. This is what God did. Israel's preference would have surely been the same as ours. The shortest route. We know that was their preference because throughout the rest of the book of Exodus and Numbers, people of Israel regularly murmured, aren't we there yet? They cried from the back seat. <laughs> this is what they did, day in, day out. In fact, if you just read it, it's, it's nauseating to read, much less if we'd have been there because they so longed for the shortcut. And, and finally, it just descends into we should have never left Egypt as though Egypt was some great place. Clearly, God preferred something else. He, he chose a roundabout way through the wilderness for them. And here's the, the million-dollar question, the real million-dollar question. Why? Why did God do that? What did he prefer that they did not, that we do not? Exodus 13, 17 tells us it doesn't leave it to our imagination. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory Even though that was the shortest route to the Promised Land, God said, and listen carefully if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. I want you to think with me for a moment what were the Philistines known for in ancient times? Really, three things warfare, giants, you read your Bible, human sacrifice. Let's focus on the first two. Drop the human sacrifice part of it. Though that's a big deal if you read scripture. Warfare and giants. Remember Goliath? David fought Goliath. Remember that whole battle? He was, Goliath, the Bible tells us, was nine and a half feet tall, looked somewhat like one of the warriors from Lord of the Rings Middle Earth. This is, this is what he was like. Not a handsome man. Not the kind of person you want your daughter coming home with on a date. He is... You know, because you as the father are in trouble. I mean, he is an evil dude. Now, here's the point Goliath was not alive at this time, but hear this his ancestors were. So, here was God's preference when it comes to guidance. God prefers not shortcuts. Instead of shortcuts, what he prefers is to protect us, his preference is our protection from enemies, battles, hardships, consequences, hear me, that we're unaware of because we don't think as far in advance as God does. Israel's headed to, the, headed to Mount Sinai and onto the Promised Land. Their view is, I want to get there as fast as possible. I want to get to retirement and the income status as fast as possible. I want to be successful in my business as fast as possible. I want to be good and godly as fast as possible. This is how they and we think. But there are enemies and battles and hardships and consequences to every direction, that we, every course that we could go that we're not aware of. And we may not like the wilderness. We may not like the roundabout way, but for Israel and us, things really could be worse. We don't know how much worse they could be. And it's a gift from God that we don't. It's a gift from God that you only get glimpses of that long after the fact looking back and go, oh man, if I'd gone this path, that... We'd have been facing giants. It's a good thing that God prefers our protection over shortcuts. I want you to listen carefully to a paragraph that I kind of feel like God gave me as I was writing this. So listen close. In a fallen world, every path has its battles. It's either the Philistines or the Red Sea. But if we will trust God, he'll always steer us toward a battle that we can win with his help, of course. We would do well to remember that. You're going to face battles. But you and I need to let God decide whether it's the Philistines or how on earth am I going to get through the Red Sea? Because with his help, he'll put us in a situation where there's the potential to win. We need to trust his goodness, whatever path he guides us down. Perhaps you've noticed in the text that God didn't lead Israel, as the text says, along the main road. You see that in verse 17? That highlights another difference in preference that I want to quickly mention. When it comes to God's guidance, we prefer the familiar God prefers something else. I mean, just think about it with me. By definition, the main road, you know, the main road. If you were to use that term anywhere, the main road is the road most traveled, right? It's it's the obvious one. It's the one that everybody's on, right? It's known. It's popular. It's familiar. On the main road, we know, you know, we know what to expect. We know where rest stops are, where to get food, fuel, help. In my family, I get chastised if I get off the main road (laughs) on vacations. Because we don't know where those things are. And it's traumatic for all the little children of our car when that happens, The, the wee ones. And I would bet when you travel as well. And the fact is, very few of us really want to drive back roads. I can guarantee you, it's like I'm, I, I'll drive back roads in Canada. Uh, think I'm gonna drive back roads in Mexico? I could mention a few other places, I ain't driving no back roads. Bottom line is most of us are creatures of habit. We, we prefer the familiar. It's important that you hear this, God's not opposed to the familiar but it's important that we remember that he prefers something else. He prefers to guide us down paths that will develop faith, faith. Shortcuts and familiarity are rarely a friend to faith development in your life and mine. It's shortcuts and familiarity are a path to comfort, ease. Sort of driving along half present. That doesn't develop faith. So don't be surprised if your life has some roundabout wilderness turns and experiences to it that take you into unfamiliar territory. Just view it. Just view it as a time for growing in faith. It's to be expected by every single one of us. It may not be our preference. But familiarity is not God's preference. And guess what? He's God, not me. Which brings us to a third difference in preference that affects guidance in our lives between God and us. Third difference is this we prefer appearances, God prefers something else. Here's what I mean the last sentence of Exodus 13, verse 18 tells us something very important. I want you to look at it with me in your Bible. Look at it on the screen. Look at verse 18. Just read verse 18. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And then notice what it says. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Here's the important question. Were they an army ready for battle? One word answer. No. If they'd been an army ready for battle, God would have led them along the main road, the shortcut to Sinai, and all all the way to the promised land, right? That's what God would have done. Israel just looked the part. I mean, they were ready for a movie set, not a battlefield. Cecil B. DeMille would have been proud of them. He would have paid large sums of money to have had them in his cast. The Philistines would have paid large sums of money to have had them for lunch. <laughs> they and we are often content with appearances. If, if we look a certain way, it's how we think. Because life is easier, it's less effort if there's focus on appearances primarily. It's important that we see, even in Scripture, that God prefers something else. He prefers genuine, Christ like, virtuous, godly character development. He will choose that in your life and mine every time, every time, over appearances. God's fully committed to guiding you and me toward lives that are genuinely characterized by love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control, faithfulness. He he wants us to be that kind of person when we're under pressure and when we're not. And if we're going to become that kind of person under pressure, guess what? It's going to require some wilderness wandering. God wants you and me to be spiritually battle-ready, authentically, holy, virtuous, Christ-like. If you just think about the things we've talked about so far, when Scripture says God's ways are not our ways, it means it. It means it. Quite literally, the way you and I would lead our lives it's very different from the way God prefers to lead our lives. It's not that he doesn't ever give us a shortcut. Not that he doesn't ever tolerate appearances or let us take a familiar path. It's not that. It's just that God, God knows that somehow or another we're just wasting time when we're doing that. He longs for something more for us. And if you and I can keep our differences of preference in mind, ours between ours and God's, it can help us to better understand some of his leadership in our lives, some of the circumstances that occur to us. And Instead of getting down on ourselves or down on him, it just helps us to trust God even more and wait for the day when uh, pray for the day when the Red Sea will part. So with that in mind, I want to close by sharing three really quick, overarching lessons that we all need to learn from Israel and their Exodus wilderness experience. And I thought about making these two completely different sermons, and then I decided not to. So uh, this is just really concise. Just listen carefully with everything we've just talked about in mind first lesson that we can learn from Israel and their Exodus wilderness experiences is that whatever your circumstances, at least a portion of your life is probably an Egypt-like experience. I mean, there's going to be, every one of us are going to have some Egypt-like experiences in our lives. And here's what I mean. The Hebrew uh, root word for Egypt is Mitzrayim. That's the Hebrew word, Mitzrayim. Guess what English word is closely related to it? that sounds a lot like it, Mitzrayim, misery, misery. Every life has some of it, every life. If you don't, you have that to look forward to. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Not my preference, it just comes with life. And God's concern really at its heart is that our familiar, hear me, our familiar misery is sometimes more desirable to us than the second lesson that all of us can learn from Israel in the Exodus event. And the second lesson is that there's a better place for every one of us. There's a better person that you can become. There's a promised land that you were made for. You are capable of more than you now think you are, not because you are all that, but because the God who is with you is. And if we just wallow in Mitzraim, guess what? We've settled. We've settled. And it also means there's reason for hope. Because getting to the promised land is going to require faith. That's what it's going to ultimately require from you and me. Developing that kind of faith is going to require leaving behind shortcuts, familiarity, or affection for appearances. Which brings us to the third lesson that all of us can learn from Israel and their exodus is that the way to the promised land for the ancient Hebrew people and almost every one of us is going to be through the wilderness. It's going to be through that. Just no other way. The issue is, when along the way will you and I finally submit the way of the wilderness. If you've been fighting God since you can't change things any more than Israel could, would you choose today to just submit? Just acknowledge that God is good and you don't know why you're facing a Red Sea in front of you right now. And the truth is you don't want to be facing a Red Sea right now, but will you let God grow faith and character and virtue, Christ-likeness in you right now while you wait patiently for his goodness to fully manifest itself in your life. If you'll do that, I promise you, you'll find God to be faithful You don't give up. So don't give up. Don't give up. Just a few moments we're going to share together in the Lord's Supper together, communion. Here's what I want you to think about as we take the Lord's Supper this morning. We're going to do it a little differently. Let me just say that first. We're going to do it a little differently. We've got tables up here with uh, the Lord's Supper on it. We were just thinking to ourselves, you know, uh, the wilderness experience is a journey. So we decided to have several communion tables set up around the room this morning. Each of us can get up and walk to and take the Lord's Supper. And uh, as you walk and pray and do that, I hope you'll just be listening to God. We're going to sing a song and do that as you're doing it. Uh, so just come up and take your communion and then grab a seat again. But as you're doing that to remind you, the bread and the juice are reminders hear me, of the Mitzrayim the misery, the wilderness that Jesus had to endure so you and I could have a chance for forgiveness and a promised land eternal life heaven unless you think it was an easy path for him simply because you've become so familiar with this let me remind you of what his prayer was in the Garden of Gethsemane Do you remember it? not my will not my preference that's what he was praying you think he wanted a shortcut bet every dollar you've ever made or owned on it you think he would have preferred a familiar path just the appearance of salvation for all of mankind that's what he would have in his flesh wished for. But his prayer needs to be our prayer. Not my will, God let yours be done. Let's bow our heads and pray and we'll sing and when you're ready you can get up and take communion and then grab a seat afterwards. Father we thank you that your kindness exceeds our understanding most of the time. Thank you that you're patient with us, that you're merciful toward us, even when we judge you unfairly, as though we could see what you see and know what you know and do it better. Forgive us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you endured the misery of the cross, the pain of that, and that you did it for me, for every person in this room as we take the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments, we just want to express to you our gratitude, our request for forgiveness, our request for help. Because God, you know that in our flesh we choose shortcuts and we choose familiarity and we choose appearances because apart from you, that's the best we can do. But we have you we ask that you might give us more of you. Fill us with the fullness of your spirit, your strength, your ways, your thoughts. Help us over time for your preferences to become our preferences. We're in because of our weakness. We fall short, God, of that. Help us to pray like your son, not our will, but yours. God, meet us in these moments as we take the Lord's Supper. May all of us who participate just be blessed because you're in it. You're here. Fill us in Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Amen. I ask you if you would stand up with me. Before we close in prayer just want to encourage you that maybe today is a day where you just need to look heavenward and acknowledge God, your God, and I'm not. Maybe that's been foggy in your head, and today the Holy Spirit's made that really clear through His Word. I hope that's the case. If, it's, if that's you, if that's you, just encourage you. Come let one of us know. Just invite the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, to, to save you, to cleanse you, to make you His want to encourage you if you've never been baptized those of you we want to encourage you to be baptized the bible teaches and god calls it jesus himself was baptized it's a statement of his faith in the father disciples throughout the entire new testament baptized as a statement of faith the declaration of surrender to god the father and some of us maybe need to surrender in that if that's you just let us know and we can help you arrange that in one of these days Whatever else God's maybe tugging at your heart about, my request is just open your heart to God and trust Him. He's good. He'll accept you where you are. But what we learned from Israel is that He will not leave you there. And for that matter, He won't let you stay there even if that's what you want to do. He just won't. So uh, you were made for more. Remember that. Let's bow our heads. Pray, then we'll be dismissed, and some of us will be hanging around here to pray with anybody who wants to pray about anything, and bless you all. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your grace. Thank you that you accept us, flawed, broken as we are. We thank you, Father, that you made us for more than this. And just ask, God, that you would give us eyes to see, faith to believe that we're capable of more when you're a part of our lives. Help us to take the next step, whatever that is, and we'll rejoice to be your children. Go with us now, Lord. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen. Bless you all.